Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others who want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey there. How you doing, guys? How's it going? Excellent. We're good. So let's talk, let's talk Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek. So I was saying before the uh, before we started recording that's that Leonard Nimoy was the only person chosen by Roddenberry to be principal in the cast. He was insistent that he be Spock. And the first cast was was fired by the network and Roddenberry insisted that that uh, Nimoy stay. Uh, and then, you know, the cast that we ended up liking, uh, you know, kind of kind of got their parts. Was that an unaired pilot? Did they actually film anything of the first cast? I, I don't know. I don't know how far they got. Mm. I really didn't pay attention. <laughs> my my patience for documentaries surprisingly isn't very high um if i'm going to watch a documentary i'm likely going to learn something i really care about i did a recent rewatch of tng and now halfway through a rewatch of voyager i'm not sure i'll do the other season the other parts because i watch them in real time like i watch picard in real time and enterprise in real time uh good stuff TNG. i thoroughly enjoyed it TNG. Next generation. You meant you meant TOS. No, I have, I did not watch TOS. I just recently watched TNG. No. But I can rewatch TOS. It's a much shorter set of episodes. It is. It is. <laughs> also, like uh, the thing I love most about the original series is how poorly funded they were. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they bring stuff from home, stick some glitter on it, wrap it in aluminum foil, and then put it on the set. Right. <laughs> oh, look, it's a toaster. <laughs> right. oh, I, I believe that tool that they're using is an egg beater or a hand drill or right? that was kind of my favorite part was identifying the crap they brought from home to dress up and put on the set because they had no money right. and from that spawned you know uh, as I would say as much a cultural revolution as uh, Star Wars did you know a decade later the lesson learned is you can paint anything silver and green it now becomes alien yeah, now becomes alien technology. <laughs> <laughs> and done. Yeah. I so, did find it bizarre, like as an adult on a rewatch, how sexually compatible Kirk was with so many alien species. So strange. That seemed really odd to me. Right? <laughs> Every hominid is the same makeup, apparently. Well, and, and is there like just a string of bastards left throughout the galaxy? <laughs> All violations of the Prime Directive? Or did the Prime so. Directive not really exist until Kirk started leaving bastards throughout the universe? No, no, no. No, I'm sorry. We now have a rule applies to all of Starfleet. It's the Prime Directive with an asterisk. So, so I just watched the Voyager <laughs> episode where uh, the her Vulcan second in command uh, is actually 100 years old and actually was a junior ensign when Sulu was captain of one of the ships um, and they, they went back in time and you know back in his memory um, and then she talked about how cowboy that original Kirk uh, uh, Sulu Chekhov um, sort of crowd was and that the um, the prime directive was a secondary concern versus the primary concern of the current series. See, all you're doing is feeding my theory. It moved up <laughs> to the primary directive just because yeah. of Kurt and his, and his untold bastards affecting. That's right. It was a cowboy environment. They said, she said they would have been kicked out, kicked out of the Federation by now. <laughs> so 
it looked like there was some conflict across <laughs> different places, ages, location, cast members. So Kirk versus Pop. Yeah, so what do you so think about that? Talking kind of the business strategy versus the IT strategy, right? The topic of the day. What do you do when the business strategy and the IT strategy uh, don't meet in the middle, right? They don't align. Uh, there's that conflict. I'm mm -hmm. sure we've all seen it, right? Um, especially in things like cybersecurity. Why do I have to pay for this? It doesn't, it doesn't advance the business's goal of making more money or increasing revenue or, or decreasing costs or adding efficiency or, or engaging new markets and new customer segments. What do you think, Paul? There is a real reason why things like cybersecurity report to the board versus reporting to the executive team, right? That there's a subcommittee in the board that is concerned with uh, risk and reputation and what the impact might be and where you need to spend money to support that. And, and I agree, security is one of those things where there's sometimes opposing views between the command structure, right? The executive team and the technology team, but sometimes it's even more base, like keep the lights on, right? All the money you spend to replace a piece of infrastructure that's shared as an example, I'm replacing a, you know, a storage frame. Well, that I have multiple line of businesses that use that particular frame, right? Or I'm, I'm implementing backup software for the purpose of the enterprise. Well, that everybody has to piece of that pie and nobody wants to pay for that. So all those keep the lights on type spend, or just we'll call the minimum floor spend, um, is always up for debate and always an issue, sort of command structure down and technology up. And, and those things aren't really even part of our IT strategy. Right. The, the Other thing, than... <laughs> they're, they're have to haves, right? They're, it's table stakes to even develop a strategy. If I don't... Right. If I don't have the things that enable basic business continuity, like basic data protection, basic security tools, then I also don't have time for a strategy. I've got too much work necessary to fix those things and, and kind of right the ship because we're taking on water. Right. Or, you know, warp drive has gone out and we're adrift floating through the, floating through the uh, untold miles of space, right? Um, and no strategy is going to compensate for that. So. Um, but it, but it is interesting that 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 does continue to come up. What about when the business is sold a technology that doesn't fit with the IT strategy? Hmm. As if the vendor is going straight to marketing or straight to finance or straight to the plants or the branches and yep. sold them a piece Whatever. of technology to which doesn't align to either strategically or tactically what's happening in IT. That happens a fair bit, right? We used to call it shadow IT, <laughs> right? Because they're just consuming things that may or may not be supported by IT. No, no, we, we didn't used to call it shadow IT. We now call it shadow IT. We used to call it, God damn it, please stop. Why are you, right. who will let this person take a phone call? And we decided that was too long and we shortened it to shadow IT. Right. And some of our reflective responses might have been, um, I'm out of here, right? Put, put your hands up. Not my problem. Not my fault. Enjoy its technology because it's not being, it's not even going to be integrated to the rest of the things that I do for fear that it'll negatively impact me. I'm not sure that's a choice anymore. Like if they buy and implement Salesforce, does IT even have a choice not to do the integration? But that's a good question because what if IT is not supporting the business? What if there's something that IT haven't got time to look at? And now this vendor provided 
and now the strategy need to switch um so so i i i kind of agree with with both both your comments but i also kind of disagree strategy <laughs> it strategy and and an it trust of the business can't just be a one way street right um i mean some sales guy sits next to your cfo on an airplane and the cfo goes off and buys something that's a that kind of is a cfo problem and you really need to question why does the cfo first off why is the cfo enabled to make that decision i granted it's the cfo but still and second why does the cfo not trust you right it's totally mm -hmm. different when the cfo says hey i heard about this new technology i think it's really neat i think we really need to take a deep look at it and then it is incumbent upon you because you trust that person to say yeah i agree i think we'll take a good look at it and come back with a real answer right and sometimes the answer is we were going to go you know emc you like pure your neighbor you know you're at the same golf course you know it'd be, you'd want to you want to help a friend or whatever a neighbor um yeah we could you know we can look at at integrating that it's kind of six one half dozen another and and uh you know there's some training involved and some other stuff but yeah we'll we'll do that it's I mean, if I'm being honest, not every single vendor decision we make is always is a strategic decision today. Sure. Right. Um, there are some that are absolutely a strategic decision. Right. Um, but there are some that it's like, well, either I don't feel that the that the product is strategic for us today, or um, I haven't gotten around to kind of rolling that up into my larger strategy. Yeah, and it's highly replaceable. If I had to, I could, you know, put it in the in the next cycle of change. Like it doesn't have a detrimental impact to me if I use it. A permanence. <laughs> that, yeah. that would. I would say things like VMware almost always strategic. Right. A VMware replacement? Yeah, we're not. That's not likely going to be a conversation that's going to be easy to have in the next. You know. Right. Well. Um, doesn't mean we don't think about, you know, what does, uh, you know, what does hypercompute look like for us, right? What is, um, you know, what is, what, what are we doing for our container strategy? What are we doing for our serverless strategy? We may not, we may, we may not have got there. But the important thing is, um, it's okay for those things not to be aligned, right? It's two ships moving as part of a fleet. Um, they will get out of alignment. They will have different objectives from time to time, but ultimately they should be small, different objectives. They should be small course adjustments that allow you to bring it back in. And you should have enough trust with your peers to kind of enable that conversation, right? In fact, I ultimately see shadow IT as beneficial to IT, right? I, I see it as you had a hundred million dollar IT spend. Now you have a $300 million IT spend. The only difference is, is you don't let those decisions go without a desire in part for them to want you to be part of the decision-making process, you being CIO, in that you've provided them some sort of foundational layer to say, yeah, it makes sense for you to go and invest in your own dime in these kind of technologies. Just make sure before you do that, here's how you connect to my security framework. Here's how you integrate data. Oh, by the way, when you buy something, make sure that you really can access the data outside of the application side. So you have to give them a, a set of sort of foundations to say, go ahead and buy something, but at least make these other things true so that it can play in the rest of the world. Yeah, so you're I enabling would... them in many ways, right? Giving them a foundation of 
of, of free spend of their own money. Um, so we talk, we, we, we've talked a bit about product versus projects, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to release an MVP. The value of an MVP is the faster you put it in the hands of the user, the more course correction you can get, the more feedback you can get and ensure that you're continuing to hit that target. Shadow IT is the net result of not doing that, right? Shadow IT is the net result of not providing whatever the user needed, right? The user customer needed, um, even if they never asked, because that's also entirely reasonable. Um, and ultimately, shadow IT is, is the result of some sort of lack of trust. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that IT will listen. I don't trust that IT will respond. I don't trust that IT will do it fast enough, right? Um, I don't trust that IT will actually, you know, take my suggestion, um, whatever it happens to be. Right? I don't trust that IT even knows what we do. Right? Marketing right. is a really good example, right? Um, I think marketing is probably the area that I see the most shadow IT because they kind of use whatever tool and service they want to use at the moment and they feel that it's disconnected and doesn't really like we're we're just throwing graphics we're just doing emails right we're just doing mass mail and mailings what does that have to do with security right those kind of things um and really should be viewed as an opportunity to reflect on yourself Mm. Did, did we do something that was not responsive to our customer, that didn't meet our customer's needs, that forced them to go outside of IT, right? Is right. there something better? And, and in a lot of cases, it's agility, right? In a lot of cases, IT is simply not fast enough. They're simply, right? They're, they're seen as, this, as, as a no firewall where anything we ask of IT, they just say, no, we don't have time. Um, in which case, you need to reflect on that and determine, is that true? And is there a better way to do this? Right. And in many cases, right, I see a lot of companies. Um, it's, it's very easy for us to go, you know, we work, we work with companies that invest and it's very easy for us to look and go, well, my company invests properly and therefore I don't really have these issues or I have a way to remediate these issues, but not everybody has that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it's incumbent upon a CIO to really frame things properly to the business. Look, you have, you have untold amounts of risk and that risk comes from your failure to invest in technology, whether you realize it or not, you're, you're still spending the money, right? right? If you're spending the money and you're adding risk because you're not investing in IT. We don't have the ability to respond to these things. And therefore you're just letting people add risk. And that risk is going to bite you with GDPR, with CCPA, with, you know, HIPAA regulations, with all these other regulations, right? Um, yeah. And you find that in in org model issues, right? Where the CIO is reporting to the CFO and therefore they're much more likely to be command control. They're much more likely to be squeezed in the IT budgets. Um, and therefore there's not even any ability to acquire something outside of sort of keeping the lights on, right? So if they did want to buy a Salesforce implementation that is you know, measured in the millions or an SAP environment that's measured in the hundreds of millions, well, there is nothing in the $15 million IT budget to do that. Therefore, in many ways, the only ability to make those purchases is by many partnering, right? To say, listen, uh, you need to find money within your own budget or within your own CEO negotiations to create that level of innovation. You just need to make sure that you are part of the decision-making process, partner, part of the project to deliver on the awesome IT value because they trust your opinion in IT, right? They trust that IT is complex and that you have the expertise to implement that through the organization. Yeah. 
And please remember, IT is information technology, not infrastructure technology. Right. There's a lot of IT departments that are still running where all they really do is the things related to infrastructure. They manage the network. Right. They manage uh, the Windows Active Directory. They manage the email. Right? right. But when it comes to the corporate applications, they don't manage the corporate applications, right? And and they they have anything from um, some influence to complete ignorance. Right. <laughs> oftentimes they're okay with it. Right. Not not my circus, not my monkeys is kind of the kind of the way they look at it. But but in fact, the job of IT is information technology. Mm -hmm. That's all of it. There is nothing that's excluded. Right. right. The software developed by your internal software developers is not excluded. Right. right. It is it is all purview and you need to be a, a part of the conversation. So you're, you're bringing a good point that goes to our title, because then you're going to have some departments that are in technically a fight, a conflict. How as a leader, then you bring those two to the table. You just mentioned something that, hey, that's not my my monkey. You deal with it. That That's your problem. You went and you bought something else, but it can affect the stability, security, or even the reputation of the corporation and a CEO not going to care who bought it at the end of the day or the board. So, so it's actually really simple. Um, I'm never in conflict with the people. I'm in conflict with the problem and we're in conflict with the problem together. Right. Software development has a problem. They need to push software like that's that's what they need to do. We have a joint problem in that the software has to comply with corporate standards. Right. So, yeah, there's conflict, but the conflict isn't with the people. I don't have a conflict with the software development lead or the CTO or, or anyone else. I, I have a conflict with the problem, which is it needs to comply with software. It needs to comply with our corporate security standards. Mm -hmm. Right. It needs to comply with our corporate release standards. It needs to comply with our privacy policies, our governance and our compliance policies. I don't have a I don't have a conflict with you as the decision maker who bought Salesforce. Right. And so if I go in it with the mentality that my conflict is with the problem itself and we need to work together to solve the problem. Right. Then it's really about um, achieving understanding on the on the collaboration necessary to accomplish the problem. Right. Every time you walk into the room, girding up your loins to fight the other person and the decision they made, you're you're setting out to lose you're never going to be the good guy in the, at the end of that, right? Even if you get what you want, um, what they're going to do is they're going to leave. And the thought in their head is, well, I'm never doing that again, which doesn't mean I'm not making the buying decision again. It means I'm never telling it when I've made the buying decision again. Right. Versus if you walk into it together and you go, and your goal is to solve the challenge created, solve the problem that was created, right? Then they leave and they go, oh, that actually was good. Next time, I'm going to involve IT earlier so we don't have to have a conversation after the fact. So I don't have to make the change after the fact. It's the difference between where is the conflict? Is the conflict with the person or is the conflict with the business challenge that's been created? Yep, it's, it's the enablement conversation. In fact, you know, if we take an example outside of IT, we talk about it, uh, an example within sales. 
you know, the three of us have spent a good portion of our time in front of customers trying to get them to buy things to which our company sells, right? However, easily 75% of our conversations with clients isn't about things that we sell, right? It is about them. It is about their organization. It is about their process. It is about their personal career paths, right? Because we're building a a trust, we're building a foundation. We want to be the first call when they have a problem. From that first call, we sell some products. Same kind of thing in this IT versus business strategic conversations. We want the business to appreciate IT should be their first call and be participating in the success of any IT project, whether or not IT is either sponsoring, funding, or participating in the project. I, I liken it to the same problem. I'd like to give you two rules, actually, yeah. um, as audience members, especially those in internal IT. Um, you have two jobs. Your first job is to be a salesperson. You're selling the value of IT. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand the value of IT, you, you need to learn the value of it, right? Your IT department specifically, right? The services, solutions, and most importantly, thought leadership you provide. Mm -hmm. All of that should build trust. So you're you're always a salesperson. And then second um, is it's a is you need to use the improv rules, right? You're allowed to say yes and and no but, right? Right. You don't just close a door by ever saying no. Right. You are totally allowed to say no, but no, we, we're not going to buy that. But we do have this other tool that's used by other pieces of by other business units that seems to solve that problem. Would you take a look at that? And right. we set up a demo, right? Can I connect you with that business unit that's actually solved that challenge already using whatever, right? Or yes, we can do that. And we'd like to talk about how we're securing it, how we're enabling single sign-on, right? How we're enabling training, right? Um, how do we support it? Yes, and we'd like to to really you know talk to the sales team and make sure we we build that relationship. Yes, and we'd like to help you with procurement. Yes, and we'd like to add it to our catalog. Right? Um, you're never allowed to just say yes. We're not order takers. You're never allowed to just say no. We're not the firewall. Right? We are a trusted partner to the business. We are their technical experts. And the best way you cannot do that, the best way you can destroy that trust is by simply being an order taker and saying yes, or just saying no. Mm -hmm. So you just mentioned something interesting. So how do you then say the yes without saying yes? Yes, and. There's always an and. Yeah, there's always a modifier. I'm happy to do what you're suggesting. We might do it slightly differently. Yeah, anyway, slightly, it might be completely differently, but at least it'll still get to the objective. Right. right. But the important part is yes and means I'm a peer. Right. Every time, oh. yes and means I'm a peer. Yeah, yes alone means I'm subservient. So is it like you're trying to bring them into that you're going to help them and then you're going to guide them with that yes? So yes, I'm willing to help you and then you bring them to a different solution. So in that way, it's not a no, it's a yes, and let me guide you to what I think that it may meet your need and how we can help you in a better way. And in that way, it's not a direct no? No, but it, it, it might even be yes, we can absolutely do that solution, right? 
It, it absolutely could be, you know, uh, we're going to buy Salesforce. Yes, absolutely. We'll help you with the Salesforce. And let us get integrated to make sure that the security is set up, the single sign-on is, is set up. And did you know it integrates, like Salesforce has the ability to integrate with 35 internal tools that we use. Mm -hmm. So let's also work on those integrations so that we've got a more complete Salesforce. Right. Wouldn't it be better if this whole workflow is connected together? Yeah. Right. So I love I love typing instructions that seem like business instructions. And I use brackets all the time for the variable, right? So it's yes and variable value add, hmm. right? So if you just think about it that way, uh, it, it really changes the conversation because you're no longer just taking order an order, even if you're doing exactly what they asked. The right. and is the is where you insert the value add. The value add is the integrations. The value add is the single sign-on. The value add is security. The value add is ensuring that it's governed. The value add is ensuring that ultimately the corporate requirements are also met, right? Yes, and let us help you advertise it, right? Let us make this an officially supported corporate tool, right? And make, it a, make you the, the hero of it. How about like these a lot, all, a lot of these are more tactical conversations you're having. How about a much more strategic one where uh, the request is coming from the captain to say, I need you to go warp 15. And it's technically physically impossible with the current ship to actually go warp 15. Try as you might, there is no means to actually make that happen. What's the response? How does one go back to the captain, to the CEO, to the CFO and say, it, it's not a possibility. How much proof do you have to provide? Um, generally financial. Hmm. I, I'll be honest, I, I tend to start with financial in those conversations. A and it's a yes and, not a no but. Hmm. Yes and. Yes, and we can happily do that. Here's my new budget, budget projection for the next three years under that guiding principle, right? right. Ultimately, my attitude tends to be, I serve at the pleasure. Hmm. And I blindly serve, but I serve at the pleasure. And if your goal is, is to go 50X, I'm happy to go 50X. This is the cost of that enablement. And the truth is, there is always a way. It's just, you know, the cost may be more than your operating revenue for the year. And, way, it just and, feasible for us. and try to um, move away from the how and go back to the what. So yes, you think we require that kind of speed to get to this destination, but let's talk about getting to the destination because that's really the goal here, right? So are there other ways to get there? Is there another direction? Is there, is there a motto we can call? Is there a friendly planet next to you, right? Is there, is there any number of other ways to still achieve the objective that isn't this impossibility that you're requesting. And why? why? Why did you decide this was the path to get there? Why did you decide this was the destination? Right. right. Again, we're back to that trust and trust advisor. Right? If you're not in the room where it happens, you can't influence the decision. Right. And part of it is after the fact, showing you should have been in the room where it happens, you could have helped make the decision and you need to be aligned to the why. Your why and the business why have to align, right? Right. Um, for those who don't listen to Simon Sinek, I'm going to 
I'm really going to ask you to do so. He's got a million videos on YouTube. Pick, start with, start with the why, then leaders eat last. All right. <laughs> my favorite, he's hands down my favorite business author. I, I can't, I can't say enough good things about him. He's practical. He, he's sure. very practical. Yeah. I love his infinite game theory. I don't know if you've watched that one at all, mm -hmm. but that's, I recommend the others first because I think they're, they're better foundational, but the infinite game theory is my favorite discussion on business um, and kind of approaches to success, right? Because it's not just businesses that have infinite game theory, it's us as well. Your mm -hmm. career is in fact an infinite game theory. Right. Your career is not a, you know, day-to-day -day decision. Carlos. So this was a good one. Uh, conflict for the ages. And we're going to be talking about this for ages because <laughs> you know that someone will come in and say, well, I cannot work with those team or with those guys. And what's an interesting thing, as Howard mentioned, it's not the person, the problem is a situation. And when you try to work together to fix that situation, then you can eliminate that conflict. My friends, as every week, make sure that you subscribe, you share, and we'll see you on our next episode.